I've used the stereo strings myself for at least 30 years, if not more. Everybody who comes in here, with very, very few exceptions, plays the stereo strings. And they didn't get there because of any reason except dependability and tone. This is Chris Keys for from your guitar. Today I'm at the Brooklyn Bowl with Ruben of Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Ruben, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Real good, man. Thank you uh, for taking the time to talk to us about gear and uh, all what you make out of your guitar and the amps and everything we're going to find out about your pedal board. So let's start off right off the top about this awesome uh, Baronic, who I got familiarized with this company from uh, Barty Strange. He had one, yeah. one of his uh, rig rundown. Yeah. That was one of his guitars he had. So tell mm -hmm. me about how you got familiar with this company and what you dig about this instrument. Um, well, Mike uh, Baranek, who builds these guitars, um, he saw us at, um, uh, I think it was Montreux Jazz or something like that. Okay. And um, it was years ago and he tried to get, he tried to get like a run up to me and say hi then, but didn't. And so it took him a while to get in touch with me and then he was, uh, you know, I've always played in this band, uh, Fender um, Jagstang. Yeah. And so his pitch was kind of like I could, you know, make a guitar that would do everything that that does better and and more, you know. So and I was kind of like, okay, well, like let's try it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we had a lot of conversations, a lot of texting back and forth, and. Um, you know, after like talking to him for a while, I was like, oh, this guy's like kind of a genius. <laughs> like uh, all the uh, kind of um, very simple innovations he had suited the way that I think about music. And and so we ended up with this thing, uh, which he calls B3R. And um, yeah, it's basically um, uh, like the Jags thing is quite an imperfect uh, creature you know yeah. and that's what I like about it but um this is like everything but th there's also a lot of things like quirks to it that I really um kind of like influence my style and so this is like a lot of things about it um that I liked about the Jags thing they're actually flaws kind of turned into like features you know can you explain or elaborate more on those types of flaws and features well I suppose the the thing that um we kind of spent the most time on and the thing that is maybe the the weirdest thing about this guitar is um, I like guitars that um, that uh, you can manhandle, kind of like bend them mm. and change the tone by 
bending the body or the or pushing the neck and things like that. So I've always oh, I'm sorry, but yeah, no, to interrupt, no, but uh, did that start with your you know your evolution playing the t Telecaster and the Mint Chicks? Yeah, because because the Tellys, you know, you can really get those to bend. Yeah, I think Telly is more like a big solid piece of wood, uh -huh. and uh, you can bend it. Um, but the, when I started playing the Jag stand, I think it was so much kind of like looser. Mm. So I started to really, um, you know, like everyone, I feel like I'm a big uh, Bill Frizzell fan. So that um, extra dimension of being able to change the tone through manipulating the body of the guitar itself became like a, a really big part of my, um, the way I like to play guitar. And mm -hmm. um, this actually has like a, a spring like two springs in here and like a whole system which actually you can dial in like how loose the neck is really so it's made to you know to actually to like be manipulatable and you can actually make it super loose to the point where it's like really silly and sometimes you know like uh i'll, I'll do that like if i'm recording i'll probably loosen it up and maybe do some silly stuff with it but on the road um, it gets tighter, but um, even when you tighten it up for the road, it's still like, you know, feels like you can bend, you can bend the guitar in half, basically. Yeah. And uh, another thing is like, um, I customized my Jag stand quite a lot, and one of the things I did was I hollowed out behind the pickguard and made the guitar about two pounds lighter. And uh, so, um, this is like made of koa and um, basswood, I think it is, and uh, so it's just kind of the lightest it could possibly be. So I can, you know, I, you know, you can do this like no trouble, and and also uh, recently I've had some like nerve nerve problems, um, and um, you know, just having like heavy stuff and like messing up my spine and things like that was was no good so like making the uh, guitar as light as possible um was kind of one of the goals was there i mean yeah he hand wound these things was there any sonic um appeal to having a lighter guitar that maybe might might have more resonance or the hollowing out behind the pickups was, was or was it was strictly um, to fight against gravity and compression and you know the things that come with that i think the thing that i found a lot is like i'll do something for a practical reason like on you know we have a tour and we you know we spent like tour touring like eight years in a row or something like that so it would be like this guitar's a little bit too heavy you know so i go home like drill it a bunch <laughs> of holes and like dig out you know try to make it and and then once i do that you know i do something for kind of like a really kind of like hit and run reason and then and then later i'd find like oh, i like the way it sounds so i it's kind of like uh, it goes the other way around where yeah. i like do something and then find that um it gives me a new uh, perspective or a new sound or something like that mm -hmm. and um and then also on stage you know like uh i used to always take the guitar off and like hold it up in the air and then I found like, oh, the lighter it is, the easier it is to do that yeah. thing. <laughs> you know, I don't have to be like, whoa, and then, you know, drop the guitar or whatever. And, um, do you ever throw it yeah. off stage at Benji? Give, uh, it a, give it a toss? Yeah, we, we've done a few different things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, yeah, and up on stage, like if I, I used to run around in the crowd a lot some, and I, like throw on the guitar. Um, there are pictures of, of, there's a picture of you doing this and the guitar's <laughs> like in the midair, really good picture. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we, we, we definitely, uh, especially about like 
before COVID when I was getting in the mix a lot more. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, we were, we were definitely throwing the guitars. <laughs> but uh, I think we will, might, might get back into that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> now that people are less COVID paranoid. Now, what should we know about you kind of alluded to and we went a, a different path, but let's go back to the pickups because mm -hmm. they know with the Jagstang, it originally comes with the humbucker single coil and yeah. you put in laces. Yes. Uh, and yes. So, so what do we got here and kind of where are you going um, sonically for him and Mike? Well, the laces were just because, you know, like, you know, the Jagstang's so flawed, like one of the things that was kind of noisy for some of the venues we play. So, I, you know, I Googled noiseless pickups. <laughs> And found laces and just bought them, not knowing that they were good, but they they are good. Yeah, I, and I love the sound of them. And I was talking to him about, um, you know, about that. And then he put um, some old laces that he had, because uh, he the first guitar he ever built actually had laces in it. So he took them out of that and put them in my first version of this, which is the red one. And then um, another thing was uh, I really like those. Uh, Japanese-made uh, late 70s um, guitars, um, but they're quite—they're not like reliable enough to take on the road. Mm. Um, but I just always loved the way they sounded. So we—and he knows like a lot of stuff about these kind of like all, all these kind of um, like they're almost like orphan orphan brands, you know? Like yeah. they would make them and then you put a, a brand on it later. Yeah. But um, I love the sound of those pickups, and I think there's something between the um you know like old pickups and the pickups in those japanese guitars is, um they're unpotted and so he was like oh it might be you like the sound of an unpotted pickup if you take that on the road um that might unravel and some weird stuff might happen so um he came up with a way of trying to make a pickup that is uh it's potted but it's not doesn't sound potted so mm -hmm. so that's what this has as well as these pickups he made um they're all like hand wound and and everything would they you sound i'm oh, sorry, sorry again would you classify them as like a single coil or a humbucker or um they are single coil okay yeah. okay yeah they're pretty simple it's just um he potted them with he was experimenting with different things that he could pot them with that wouldn't uh create that compressed sound um because i think it's you know the uh the potting um to my ears takes away quite a lot of time so um, yeah, trying to find uh, a guitar that you can take on the road, but that has like all that uh, the the maximum amount of sound without that compressed sound. Are you able to divulge or even know what he used for the material? Because I know most uh, times it's wax or some type of a wax. I think it was some kind of shellac or a resin or something. Okay. Uh, nothing too, nothing too um, proprietary. I don't know. I don't know. You have to ask Mike about yeah. it. Honestly. <laughs> Mike, jump yeah. in the comments. I'm a bit dumb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, also, I didn't know about um, these things. You know, I didn't really... I knew that guitar pickups were potted, but I always thought, you know, the more... the That's good, right? Yeah. So I didn't realize that I was... My ear was gravita uh, gravitating to these cheaper pickups because they have less of the stuff to make them, like, uh, more reliable. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, what should we know about strings and tunies that you typically use like on this tour when we're talking songs and stuff from all your catalog? Um, I've always uh, tuned um, Hendrix tuning. So it's half step? Yeah. And uh, that's just because I tried it one time thinking Hendrix is good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I get it. Why he 
did this. It's like the it's like the neck thing. It's like everything's slinkier and it feels more malleable. Um, so so I did that and I've stuck with that. And then um, at the moment I'm actually running nines, right? Yeah. Because of my uh, nerve issues, uh. I was finding it harder to um, um, fret um, chords and bend and stuff like that. Um, I had like a yeah problem with my hand um, that I was going to physio for. So. And that they're still on there, so I'm running, um, uh, you know, shred, shreddy, um, light shreddy gauge. Yeah, yeah, like Eddie, Eddie think he did 90 or 90s, 9 to 42s. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Except Ingui, like, used super heavy, he uses super heavy gauge, right? So Inve yeah, I know that. Super light, right? Yeah. Oh, I think, is, is it really? I think Ingve and then, like, someone like Billy Gibbons goes even lighter than that. Oh, okay. Okay. I think he goes eights. Yeah. 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 Oh, he has eights, his own yeah. set that Dunlop makes that are eights. So you're playing the 9 to 42 sling, or Ernie Ball super slinkies. Ernie Balls, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, um, I think we made it onto the packet now. <laughs> which is like, yeah. That's, that's like, like probably, that's, that's more important to me than right? most achievements in music industry. <laughs> it's funny how that, 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 you know, you first go into music stores and you see those posters and those colors. Yeah. You get associated. I couldn't tell you what I play, but I'm always associated with the green, the tens. Yeah. But like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm more so Same thing with like Dunlop uh, Tortex picks. I don't, yeah. I couldn't tell you what the millimeters are, but I, I colors. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very color-based thing, but you always yeah. see the posters of our heroes on there. Yeah. So uh, to have your name on there has got to be pretty and cool. And they like better strings too. I don't know. <laughs> they have a lot of, uh, they last a long time. Like there are strings that sound good when, when you first put them on and then two gigs later they're kind of, you know, like mellowed out too much or whatever. So I don't know, I've been sticking with them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yeah. That's what I played when I was a kid too, if I could afford them, you know. Yeah. And uh, what should we know about, it's it's how you hold the guitar on your kind of like front shoulder rather yeah. than over the neck, is that compensating for any type of injuries you've occurred? Um, no, it might have caused them though, but oh, I just, really? uh, no, I don't know. I, um, I'm trying to think why I started doing this. Um, <laughs> I think I just got sick of going like this. Yeah. And um, so I started doing that and then once my strap had kind of you know like I had a leather strap and it, once it had kind of like shaped itself to be comfortable like that I found there was like no downside to it um, so nowadays I just think like why doesn't everybody do this um, but I don't know if it's good for me like orthopedically but mm. I think it's okay it's just um, the uh, the weight is just like a lot on this kind of axis rather than kind of in the center mm. But um, but I also used to do kind of tricks with it as well. Like so, I think that was part of it. Like I used to kind of like flip it around, and it was always better to be on the shoulder. And if I need to change guitars or get rid of it, I just go like that rather than kind of like having to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wear a cap and I like like knock my hat off or whatever. And it was like annoying, so I just put it over the shoulder. Now, before we move on to the sitar behind me here, mm -hmm. is there anything we should know? Uh, anything going on under the hood electronically? Uh, I see a lot of bright buttons, so I don't know if that that anything special is going on or if it's a pretty standard. Well, I, with I the guess the other tone. thing that's really good is that I really like is it has a fader for the pickups, so oh. the blend comes from from a fader, so you mm. can kind of dial in where you are, which is really good. And do you do that from a night-to-night -night basis, like songs? Oh, yeah. yeah. I so mean, just during the show, like halfway through a song, 
if it's if it's a little too dark and throaty and it needs to like cut through more and push it further this way and um I don't know why it's just a lot of the stuff that Mike does I'm like why why doesn't everybody do this uh-huh. I think the fader it's like a studio quality fader like a lot of these things are I guess kind of expensive you know yeah um for mass production but um yeah and, I, and my old guitar I put a kill switch because I took the tone um, knob out and didn't know what else to do with the hole so I just put a kill switch that I never really used that much okay. so he put that on there and it has a, um, I think it's a um, high pass and like a, like a t- like two tone things. Oh yeah, a phase flip, which is the oh. other thing I really like about the um, Jagstang. Was it? Um, we put the um, uh, pickups out of phase, and I use that sound a lot, the out of phase sound. Okay. And so this has a out of phase switch, and I just sometimes go out of phase in it create some more hollow kind of uh, janky kind of uh, to my ears it's like an old school 60s uh, recording like beat band kind of like kinks kind of sound yeah so um, yeah so we go, I go from you know kind of a more uh, I guess Jimmy kind of sound to something more like the kinks or something like that it's I mean, nice British. to it's a very quick way to change a guitar without changing a guitar in yeah. terms of like, the instrument yeah. yeah and I like things that make things sound janky <laughs> it's a it's like a positive thing to me shitty so. is pretty yeah exactly <laughs> exactly well let's move on to the sitar here i gotta we gotta learn all about this yeah if you want to change out here yeah um so this is um this is a replacement i had a rogue sitar that i used for a long time all right and then at some point, um, because there were like things rattling around inside of it, and you can't open it up. So if something goes wrong with this, it's um, sometimes hard to work on it. Um, so I just was kind of like, I was like, I need a, a slightly fancier version of the thing I've got. So I, I found these guys. Um, and it's a Jerry Jones. All right. Uh, sitar. And I mean, it's it's great. I don't know. It's... Um, it's very fun. It's on a lot of my favorite records, the sound, and it's like a nice novelty um, thing to have. And some of the uh, songs have this as like an important part of the sound. So I, I have this still on the road. What, um, how long? How much would you say it gets used on stage throughout the night? You know, fifth, probably um, not fifty-fifty. Two songs. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, two two songs. Yeah, so you know, twenty percent of yeah. the set or, or, or even less. But it's nice to switch over. Um, Totally different gain staging. Could could we hear a little bit of it? Just yeah, like maybe sure. how you're using it compared to the Baronic here? Um. Man, that has a very distinct, like thumbprint or voice. You know, I mean, it's 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 certainly its own thing. Even while you're just playing the standard six strings, it has a very unique voice. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, psych and soul music that I love. Like have these the the sound, you know, '60s music. 
was like a a big pop um, staple for you know all kinds of different records. It's fun to play, yeah, and it's like a totally different sound. Like it sounds like a guitar, but it plays like a guitar. So I don't know. Do you I ever miss with the the upper register strings? I don't actually know these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, like if we're like if it, if we're kind of like improvising or something like that, I might mess with it okay. a little bit, but it's not part of any song. Mm -hmm. um, it would be, you know, I kind of want to keep it so that, like, if this thing broke in half on the way to the gig or something, I can just play it on the guitar without it, like, completely ruining it. But um, but these are cool, and I think this these these kind of, like, resonate while the, this is playing and kind mm -hmm. of, like, contribute to the kind of sound of it, the strange sound of it. But um, it has, like, a strange tone... Uh, control like each one of these is a separate um i guess it's more like a gibson mm. like um thing and i'm not really it always annoys me like that i prefer really dumb simple you um, like a master yeah like one does it all type of thing yeah i think i would go sonic youth with it you know if i could and just take all of it <laughs> set it to the you know the one setting that i want and just not have any control over it but um but it still looks cool. Yeah. It look, like, knobs look cool. That's why there's a kind of bunch of buttons and stuff on that that I hardly ever use. I just kind of feel like it looks cool. It's very space age. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have you get the Baronic back on, and uh, let's talk about your amp setup here. Okay, so at the moment, I'm running a stereo um, setup. Um, two, two Benson amps. Um, Benson is... Uh, run out of uh, Portland where, I, where I'm based mostly and um, the the old warehouse uh, is actually walking distance from my house and it's funny because that sounds um, dangerous being that close proximity to yeah. a creative guy like Chris where you can you might have rack up a, yeah. a big tab uh, yeah maybe <laughs> and yeah that's probably true I just <laughs> like um, uh, it was funny because I was getting frustrated with um, the amps I was using, I thought like maybe I need to um, be like one of these real guitar guys and like you know find a boutique uh, company and trying to you know do that stuff. And then uh, and so I looked up uh, a bunch of um, companies to try and find one that I would like to start you know trying some stuff out with. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found Benson. And then I was getting really into these bins, and I was like, oh, "These these sound really great. They seem like you can kind of do do anything with them." And then, um, and then found out that it was like right in my part of town, and then realized it was like I could. I was like, I could literally walk there. He's like, right in my neighborhood, um, which was totally mind blowing. I was like, okay, so it's definitely this. Is, this is meant to this be. This is a sign. Yeah, and so, um, and then. Um, uh, you know, uh, the guy who did Knobs and uh, the Chase Bliss guys were in town and they got a bunch of us together um, for a little, like, we had a beer and it was at Chris's um, place mm -hmm. and I was just exp uh, explaining to Chris, I'm just, I was just getting ready to hit you up and I was going to buy an amp and um, so we kind of met there and got to know each other and, and then uh, I had this idea because I always love these Yamahas yeah and I kind of like you know buy kind of like buy them up and then just like love the way they look I love like I don't know there's something about the fact that they are like they look too thin to be an amp yeah. it's like really futuristic 
And um, they look like they should be over in Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's just something very Japanese about it, with this like they're, they're going to like invent this new space age kind of amp. But they were solid state, and although they sound like really cool, I think if you based your entire sound around the way that they sound, I think um, they would be perfect. But it, it's so far away from what I want. Yeah. So the idea was like asking Chris, like, would you put one in here? And at first he was like, this, I don't have time. I can't do that. I can put you in touch with some people. I was like, that's fine. And so that went on the back burner for like three years. And then, um, yeah, I bought some, I bought, bought, bought um, an amp and I was enjoying it and bought a few other things. And then one day he was just like, hey, do you still have that Yamaha? Like just out of nowhere. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, he's like, bring it over. We'll, we'll, we'll put an amp in it for you. And I was like, oh my God, yes. It was like <laughs> this weird dream of mine to, uh, to bring this on tour and set it up like this so you see it from the side yeah and um because that's the kind of stuff that that's the kind of thing that i would think was cool if i was watching my favorite band and i was there i'd be like what is that weird cheese wedge thing <laughs> that he's playing you know that's the stuff that like you know got me changed my life basically yeah. so i was like i gotta do that and then yeah so um chris made this dream come true and now i have um you know, like, this is like the coolest thing I could, this is like the ultimate amp for me, so. Should we know anything about, like, the circuit, or is it something like, a, maybe, did you just put, like, an existing amp, like a Monarch in here, um, like, circuitry-wise? I actually have to, um, the problem is that it's, um, the wattage on this is scalable, so I don't know which amp that is um, currently in the lineup that, okay. that employs that, or if he hasn't even started to sell those, or if he only made a few of them, but, um, it's really special. You can actually, um, it's, it has a tube controlled um, uh, wattage um, control, so you can turn the wattage of the amp up or down, um, which is also like perfect for me because I would keep the wattage pretty low, but if you want to open the headroom up, it's basically a headroom knob, Yeah. you know? So if you want it to be crushed and hit the headroom really soon, you turn it down and then if you want to open it up and, and make it like uh, more what Benson is known for, which is just like a kind of infinite headroom and yeah. just like turn it all the way up. Um, so it's cool because you can dial in the perfect amp for where you are, you know, yeah. for what night you're, you're, you're on. And I do like the idea of having anything from, you know, three watts to 30 watts. It's, it's really cool. Is this is a speaker something that he put in there, or is that the original Yamaha speaker? It's the original um, Yamaha speaker. Okay. That's one of the things I love about this amp. Um, before uh, Chris got to it, is it has a polystyrene um, speaker that's actually square. Um, so it has these square speakers Weird. in there, and um, and they made a polystyrene, and I think. Chris was kind of like, well, I don't know about that speaker. I really put a good amp in there, but if you want that speaker, I can't speak uh, for it, you know? Yeah. But I think it sounds great. I, I, uh, sounds like a good marriage. It's good, yeah. It's, um, and um, it, does sound, it does sound interesting. It's like, I don't know why people don't make polystyrene um, amps, I mean, speakers anymore, but um, I have another one um, that had a, a crack in the speaker, and... Uh, I use paper mache to, to fix the crack in the speaker and, yeah. and it works great. So they're pretty um, pretty durable speakers. And so. what's the other one behind here, the actual True Benson? This is the Nathan Jr. Okay. And um, this is like, 
you know, a standard um, little amp, you know. We call it Little Jimmy because uh, Dave couldn't remember what, could, just kept forgetting what the name of the amp was. Yeah. So we call him Jimmy. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a great amp. I, I mean, it has a lot more frequency response because of the speaker and because it's designed by Chris yeah. from the ground up, you know? Yeah. So in, in a lot of ways, it's a better amp, but in some ways, um, I still like this. I don't know if it's, I like this one better just because it's the only one that exists and because it's my one or whatever, but um, it has a, it has limitations, you know, compared to that one. Well, let's uh, hear them both in flight as we go through your pedal board. Where, uh, okay. where should we start, Ruben? Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start, actually, I'm going to start with uh, the compressor, because I've known that you've oh, been yeah. known to move its placement in the signal chain, mm -hmm. and now I'm seeing two compressors. So uh, let's start there. Why, why two compressors, and where are they sitting at in the signal chain? Uh, well, this is a tube. Um, compressor. Um, I found out about this through Mike Baranek. Um, he showed me, um, I can't remember who it was, he showed me this guitarist, he was like an Australian guy, and he was saying that um, it was a video where they were um, saying that it was like a, he was like an old guy. <laughs> I shouldn't have, I'm, I've said too much. It was like a, no, acoustic music, right? Uh-huh. And he was saying that when he recorded, he liked to use an LA-2A. Um, that's his favorite sound to put his acoustic guitar into. And so, uh, and then he said for li he wanted something like that for life, so he wanted a tube compressor, so that was the logic. And then he found this thing, and I thought, hmm. He was like, yeah, this is the compressor I found that's done that. I was like, you've got a pedal that sounds like an LA-2A? <laughs> uh, so I got this thing. It's a, the model PC-2A uh, uh, from, what's this? Uh, I keep forgetting what this, Effectrode, I think, is the company. Okay. So yeah, I bought this thing, it. and um, to just because that sounded really... I don't know, it's just like, that would be crazy if, if it did what he likes about the LA-2A. You know, um, Does it? Um, I think it's like, it's it sounds like a compressor, not a compressor pedal, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, so it's really good. Um, the only thing is that um, I'd never really taken it on the road, so that's why there's two. Oh, okay, so there's not some double magic front and back. Yeah. No. So, so where is that compressor sitting in the signal? Is it at the beginning or the it's end? It's actually at the very beginning, right? I think. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm hitting that first. Okay. In, in this in this uh, version of the setup. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, it's it's pretty. Um, you know, it's like. Yeah. It it shaves off a little bit of the transient and it fattens things up. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a real compressor, you know. Not so much the effect. Um, not so much that null rod is kind of like clipping, kind of clipped kind of sound, but like a kind of fat fat sound. Now, so. as as we go through forward uh, beyond the compressor here, how are they hitting the amps? Like, how are they? Is, is there a certain flow that's hitting each amp, or yeah. is one only hitting the one amp and the other amp is dry? Okay, so so I have my, so this is the channel down here. Okay. This is basically, to here is, um, is really all I'm, all I'm running on the actual guitar as I play it. 
then it goes into the Strymon Deco. Okay. And the Strymon has a uh, it has a um, um, stereo out, and um, um, Dave had been running my guitar stereo for for quite a while, a few years, and um, I thought over pandemic, you know, leading up to com you know coming back uh, and getting back on the road, I thought I had time to do um, an idea that had been kind of like sitting in my head for a while, which is um, set up you know something from my end that contributes to this stereo stereo thing mm -hmm. um, rather than just have my sound and then have him splitting it like uh, at some point um, I thought I could uh, make that fruitier <laughs> and then um, so the the deco is cool because it's um, it's tape um, emulator it has some like imperfections um, and it sends out in a kind of coursey way um, so I have like two, you know, like a, a false um, uh, double tracking kind of effect mm -hmm. um, through that. And um, I have one, you know, one side, you know, both, both sides are kind of have different movement. So they have um, a little bit of, uh, so when it goes out front of house, a completely different signals uh, left and right. And that, you know, sounds good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I also have a bunch of these. Um, retro vibe, jam retro vibes, and uh, and I just like I don't know I have a I have a ton of them actually just in case you know um, <laughs> yeah like hoarding them kind of and um, so I thought maybe before I split them out out of the deco uh, into two different ones um, two different retro vibes the first one I bought and like the new one and then have those kind of like also separately affecting the the stereo signal so um yeah so make it even more like stereo. distinct and like more yeah. swirly and then each one of these goes into different one a different benson okay and uh and this one is also my monitor um so that points at me because we've been doing our amps on the sides um for quite a long time now um, and I still don't really understand why bands point their amps at the microphone. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Doesn't it's not. I feel like that's one thing that makes us a. Um, it's an uphill battle. Out of house guys' uh, dream uh, is that we don't we're not too loud on stage, and and all of our amps are either pointing off the stage or or um, from the side, mm -hmm. um, like a monitor. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that's it, really. <laughs> well, let's let's get back to the bottom row here, real quick. I, let's start with the. Uh, it has the tape on it, the gaff tape, Octave uh, Magic. So I, <laughs> I assume that's one of your creations. Uh, yeah, this is kind of the only. Yeah, this is the only homemade one that's left in the chain at the moment. Um, it's a Fox Tone machine that I made. Um, it took a long time to get it right. So, um, what was the toughest part? Just uh, uh, component choices. Mm. It's like switching out um, uh, transistors a lot. Uh, the transistors that I ended up using were the, I think the ones used in the original um, uh, Moog um, uh, modular synths, oh. uh, um, TIS or TI5, I think they're called. Um, and I don't know, they just, that was the, that was that was the thing that made it sound good, and then 
um, a bunch of like old uh, resistors and things like that. You know, I'd sit there on like on the um, breadboard, just like pulling stuff out and putting other stuff in until and just playing and then pull it out, and try a different thing. So a true R and D thing. It wasn't just like I'm going to copy the schematic. You were trying to get to that tone, but then maybe sculpt a little bit more, build something that was more unique to you? Uh, yeah, but I just, I think a lot of builders do this too, but I just was, um, you know, I'd get like a bunch of stuff. I was pulling uh, a lot of uh, old uh, components out of um, tape machines and things like that. Um, record, old record players, like I go uh, junk shop and buy something yeah. that looked old and then just pull all the shit out of it. Um, and then, uh, so I'd have like some new stuff and some old stuff, and and then so I'd get the thing going. It would sound like a Fox Time Machine. I okay, okay, it works. That's cool. And then start like putting different things in. And if something sounded good, I'd be like, "Whoa, that's it. Cool." You know. And then um, and then move to the next component yeah. and start switching it out. You know, until it sounded good. So it was it was just trial and error and uh, being really obsessed with it. <laughs> but the thing that is weird is the I just came up with a thing that's like exactly the thing I want, so it's like I haven't been able to replace that one um, yet. Um, Could we hear the thing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Super yeah. gnarly. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's loud. Um, it's got a nice like, clean octave. And it kind of cuts through. Um, I don't know. It just works. I don't know. It just is the, what I want. So that's been the that's been the thing. A lot of uh, friends that build pedals have um, given me octaves, and then they're really good. And then I just, you know, switch this thing out finally. We can replace this, and then. Because um, I, I worry about my pedals because sometimes they just stop working. Because yeah. I put some like um, component from a reel to reel that was just about to blow up, and <laughs> it took you know three gigs in, it blows up, yeah. and it sounded cool <laughs> while it was dying, but then it's like over. <laughs> so then that's been like, and then I start to get a bit weary about my own stuff. Um, but this one has survived, so that's good. And the testament. Yeah, and it still sounds exactly like what I want it to sound like, and yeah, so that's that's why it's still there. What's the nondescript pedal here in the the far corner? This is a fuzz face made by Jam. Oh, all right. yeah, that's right. Um, this actually was the. This is a case of um, you know, I had a fuzz face that I really liked. Um, one of my favorite fuzz faces that I built, I gave to um, um, a kid that supported us in Japan. Um, because I, we were talking about fuzz pedals and I was like, oh yeah, and he was like, oh, I like the pedals you build, and then I was like, oh yeah, well, next time I come back, um, I'll give you one of my fuzz faces, and then we came back and I forgot, but he was like, remember you said you were going to give it to me, and I was like, oh yeah, no, he was like, damn, I've only got one left, and I was like, oh here, here, here you go, man, <laughs> so I was like, I gave him my fuzz face, but, a man of your word, but I actually, the thing about it was that I had this, this is better, than the fuzz face that I had anyway. Um, so um, that was cool, but it, because it was kind of fancy, um, it had a, like a little picture of Jimi Hendrix's face on it that 
got kicked off on the first gig I used it on, and now <laughs> it's got it's covered in suede, and now that's getting all messed up. So I was a bit worried about that, but um, you should just destroy gear. It's meant to be um, destroyed in in the line of duty, you know. Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> so I'm so I like it. I realize like yeah, I like it all messed up like this better than sitting perfect in my uh, basement, you know. Yeah. It's like that's a dorky thing to do so I don't know why I even thought to not take it on the road so now I get this is the best fuzz face I've ever I've ever used and it's yeah it's a I think it's a limited uh, edition version of the fuzz phrase right is that I, think, you know I believe that's what uh, Giannis calls it yeah, yeah I could and, be wrong and um, it sounds really good it's like it's uh, um, You know, that kind of thing. Just big woolly fuzz and not too um, exaggerated, very musical, um, fun to play, you know? Yeah. And you can also like wind the um, um, volume back and then it's, it has that like kind of sound of star, uh, like it's not starved in the sense that it's like spitting, but like a, a more mellow, old school kind of fuzz sound. It's so more versatile than just the sting, you know, the, the yeah. set on tan thing. Yeah, it's a super usable thing. It's I use it on a lot of different stuff. Now I see the Holy Grail that you haven't touched, is, and it's the red light's been shooting up at me. Mm -hmm. Is that always on the Holy Grail? Uh, no, actually, these days I'm trying to turn it off as much as possible. But okay. I, I think I put it on because I was feeling um, uh, insecure about playing by myself and on the camera it's a it's a rather uh, unorthodox yeah. thing we ask people to do here because you you create your sound to mesh with the whole band yeah and so then we have you come up here like it's a nam demo and like hey yeah. just show me this pedal i think i was hiding behind the reverb a little bit for that but yeah <laughs> so you got two delays obviously the talk back or the back talk is the reverse mm -hmm. and then uh how are you using the dd3 um well it's in some ways this is like just a uh this is a, a gift from mike Baronic that I just kind of like put on there as a it kind of loops. I use it as like a short loop. Okay. Sometimes when we're like jamming, I just use it. But it's a it's just like a cool thing. I get um, sentimental about things like that. It's on the board at the moment because uh, Mike has been such a big um, help on this. Uh, he seems like tour a good cycle. dude. He's good. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, the two <laughs> remaining things, as I know that we got to get out of here for sound check and everything else that happens after we leave, is uh, the game changer and the mm -hmm. Benson preamp. So, how are you using those two individual pedals? Um, well, this is a kind of a clean boost, the germanium boost that um, Chris makes. I don't know if it's out yet. I think it's it, it should be out now. Um, just to kind of push the amps a little bit. Yeah, just trying to get into uh, you know things that I've read about since I was a teenager that I always was uh, I was just like a little bit um, too much of a savage to um, take seriously, like clean boost, you know. Things like that, headroom, all these things that you read about yeah. <laughs> um, that when you're 16 you think like, what is that? Who cares about that? Clean boost? I don't want a clean boost. <laughs> I want a distortion pedal. Um, so it's um, there to um, to r run me out of headroom, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, just get, basically. Basically yeah. get you out of the, the end of the, uh, the runway. Yeah, yeah. just... Um, um, yeah, just get me out of uh, yeah to take take some of the subtlety away from the sound. It doesn't really. Uh, it's nice. It doesn't. It doesn't distort or or really um, color the sound in a way that's like um, 
over the top or anything, um, but it comes in handy a lot um, as a functional thing. Sometimes it's the it's the answer to the problem. I just like kick it on, and it's like okay, that's something's wrong, and I kick that on, <laughs> and it makes it louder, and the whole game uh, structure changes, and and it, and it's um, set to be in a place that's just like maybe this is the problem. You know, maybe this yeah. will work. Better. This is the solution. Yeah, yeah. And how are you using the sustain pedal from Game Changer Audio? Uh, I use this a lot on a lot of different things. Um, I'll use it for the tail of a um, solo sometimes when I need um, a second and a half to go from lead guitar overdub to rhythm guitar track that's underneath. You yeah. Know? So um, so that I'm not going like solo solo solo. Turn the pedal off and I'm playing the song again. Um, sometimes I'll trail the solo so that it sounds like one guy was, you know, guitar, and then he goes, <laughs> steps back, and then the rhythm guitarist, like, you can hear him again. Um, so I use it for that a lot, and then I use it a lot for, like, jams, jamming, um, making droning sounds, and um, a lot of scary kind of um, things that just keep going, you know, notes that sustain. Uh, sometimes um, I'll play a kind of thing where it's just like I'll play a line and hold on to the last note while I play the next line and then hold on to that again yeah. and stuff like that. And then, uh, and also I, um, if I want the guitar to just ring out the last note that I played and put the guitar down and like walk off the stage or, or um, you know, like when it's like tequila time, <laughs> uh, then I just like leave it ringing and. Um, and I can do that as well with this thing because I can make the tail infinite. I just switch the tail to infinite, kick it on, leave it, and then turn it off when I get back on stage. And uh, yeah, that's um. So it's pretty. It's another one of those pedals. that's like, um, it's a very simple concept. Um, so everybody's not going to use it in the same way. Mm -hmm. And I always um, like the concept of the freeze pedal. Um, uh, as a thing, the idea of like sustaining, but uh, it had a, that has a very like cold digital kind of like the artifacts in it are very specific, and I never liked that. Whereas this is more like a um, taking a concept like that and turning it into like a sustain pedal on a piano, and mm. they have the actual like foot foot pedal that like kind of tells you how to use it a little bit, and yeah. and it it's very it doesn't feel like a digital looping thing or something like that it feels like what it looks like it's like mm. it's sustained pedal for your guitar so it's super musical hasn't let me down at all it's really cool well i, I did a false ending here there is one remaining pedal in the top left that we have not <laughs> covered so i got to know about this before I, otherwise i'm not doing my job ruben so what's the top left um, mystery box i can't remember what what um what problem is that solving? That was okay. that was there was a, a rat or a or a uh, what's the green um, overdrive um, tube screamer tube screamer. It's one of the two. I can't remember exactly, and it has a, like a lot of different um, settings in it. And um, is that one of your creations? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think I based it on a BYOB or something. Okay. One of those kits. kits. Yeah. But I did the th the thing that I did with the Fox Tone, where it's like I didn't really use the components it came with. I kind of like set it up and then replaced all the components and it sounds good but uh, I've taken it out of the chain so it's not. Got it. Oh yeah. Uh, Jake used it for a long time um, which makes me think it's probably a rat because of, um, yeah. I know a lot of 
bass players that play rats. It must be something about the um, bass frequencies yeah. or something. So um, it's cool, but um, I thought it might be there in case I needed another lead tone, I think. Um, but it's also like a janky thing. It's It gives us trouble because I made it myself. So. <laughs> yeah. That's well, why uh, it's good that there's a lot of people that make good pedals so I don't have to make them. <laughs> well, I really appreciate your time, Ruben. And uh, I want to leave on this note because it was such a cool change of pace from what you did, uh, you've done in the last four records. Is your, your newest record that came out earlier this year. Yeah, uh, it has a lot more brighter disposition, and uh, it was really cool that I know that you've worked with your dad before, but you, mm -hmm. you you really embraced having your dad and obviously Jake on the record. So, can you describe what that was like? And, and you know, you got out of your, maybe your comfort zone in Portland to go record, I think, in California and Hawaii. Was it? Uh, there was some writing in Hawaii, um, and and a lot of recording in Palm Springs over the pandemic. Uh, it was weird because I think it was like a, the darkest maybe the darkest time in my life and I think that's why the record is happier because I was like you needed I don't want to write a sad record because I you know like it's too hard so yeah I, I, it was definitely like a fighting back kind of spirit like I'm gonna t make a happy record because I was thinking like everybody is gonna want a happy record after all of this like isolation and and uh you know loss and things so yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's probably what it's like. Um, I mean, and also my um, brother and my dad. I was uh, uh, when New Zealand went into lockdown. Um, it was like a serious lockdown. They it was like a um, they didn't let people in or out, and uh, there's quarantines and all that stuff. So um, I didn't get to see them for years. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's uh, it's pretty crazy to think about. And then uh, so when um, Cody, my brother uh, first got a chance to uh, leave New Zealand and come back to the States and um, you know it was like I picked him up at the airport um, and we were like I was like <laughs> blasting like Pusha T at LAX and I was like yes we're you know like I don't know when we went back and we were like really stoked so maybe that's why the record because we were really happy to be yeah. hanging out together and and um you know stuff like that so um so i don't know i think we had a lot of fun like finishing the record after after all that time you know so well congrats to that and uh i appreciate the uplifting music after the darkness we all survived so appreciate yep. you and uh appreciate your time ta cheers man cheers thank man. you thank you guys everyone stay safe uh, this is rig rundown for chris keys and ruben